Welcome to Life Beat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is Katherine Kinsey, our Education and Events Coordinator. Happy Friday, Katherine. Thank you. Well, uh, we have a couple interesting posts to talk about today. Of course, the Judge Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court nomination hearings are sucking up a lot of national attention, and we will definitely talk about that. But first, let's talk about something that's actually uh, deals with the Supreme Court. Kind of an old issue, but people are still amazed to find out about uh, partial birth abortion. Right. Um, so we had a we had a pretty good Facebook post, didn't we, Catherine? Yeah, pretty good, I would say. <laughs> so so what is Very it up good. to? Uh, One hundred ninety thousand people now yeah. on the Right Life Michigan Facebook page have seen this post, where we're just simply going through this fall and detailing the record of Gretchen Whitmer, who's running for governor, as well as Debbie Stabenow, who's running for Senate. And we had a post uh, simply pointing out Whitmer's past support for partial birth abortion. And over 190,000 yep. people have seen this post. It and really it's still going. We're going to hit 200,000 yeah. probably before the weekend's over. It's it's incredible how many people like either don't know about it, didn't believe it was true, or they're just shocked by it. So, uh, yeah, partial birth abortion is, uh, it's exactly like it sounds. Um, the baby is, uh, goes through the process of birth, and then before the birth is finished, while the head is still in the birth canal, uh, the child is killed. And so, obviously, any, you know, we believe taking the life of any unborn child is wrong, but in this case... It's, it's just, like, how can you even argue with that? And yet you can. Some people do, but... Yeah, there's a few brave souls who tried to argue with us on this uh, Facebook post. One of them was, uh, what does she say? If your only argument is stabbing a baby in the head, you're losing. And... I'm going to disagree. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that yeah, argument. Don't just... stab babies in the head. I mean, does it work for you, Catherine? Seems like common sense. Yeah, it seems like Should common be. sense. Um, well, partial birth abortion, of course, is real. Uh, and, you know, people have said it's a myth. I remember uh, my old high school friend, I was talking with him about the issue, and he didn't believe it was real. Right. But uh, it's very real. Um, you can read the paper from one of the pioneers of the procedure to the National Abortion Federation describing it in depth. Uh, we won't go much into much more detail than what we have already. Mm -hmm. Like Again, it's during the process of birth, the abortion is performed, rather than simply... Completing the birth, uh, the child is killed moments before the birth is complete. And the reason that it was developed, it's used in the later terms, and that's because it's very hard to do an abortion in the womb on a child during the later stages of pregnancy, and so uh, it's really easy for the abortionist to perform this procedure. Mm -hmm. And uh, But sadly, the only purpose for it, and some people try to, and this is really strange, so it's a three-day procedure. It takes three days to dilate the woman enough to do the procedure. And so, but some people try to claim that it's a procedure for emergency situations right. to save the mother's life. No. Totally not true. No. In the post we actually detail, the pioneer for the procedure said of, of the, the ones after 20 weeks that he did, 20% uh, were done because the child was disabled and 80% were completely, right. entirely 
uh, for social or political reason or uh, economic reasons. Yeah, and I mean, some people were thinking it was only if the child had already died inside the womb, but no. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> uh, so if if a child has died, that's a miscarriage or stillbirth. And then, you know, our laws don't really kick in because, right. again, our laws are about saving lives, uh, not about uh, treating, uh, you know, a very sad condition like a miscarriage or a stillbirth. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know why people come up with these things, I think, is confronting the reality that uh, Gretchen Whitmer, Debbie Stabenow, others uh, voted to keep this legal abortion literally up to the... Uh, moments of birth right um some people it's just too hard for them to come to grips with that reality and so they confabulate all sorts of reasons and excuses that don't have any evidence anywhere um even the media will confabulate some Mm -hmm. some of these excuses and go with them um when you hear uh people like stabenow and whitmer argue for their support for partial birth abortion, they say, well, I just trust doctors and doctors need yeah. every option to save lives. But again, you know, there's, there's no reason not to just simply complete the birth in that process. Right. There's absolutely no right. reason. Well, uh, so how many more? So you think it's going to get to 200,000? I think so. 210,000? I mean, climbing. <laughs> Well, we, uh, if you go to our website, rtl.org, we link to the post uh, explaining it. Of course, you can find our Facebook page there, too. Um, it's really helpful for people to remember it. And you may ask, you know, if you're aware that we have a ban on partial birth abortion, it's illegal in the state, you may ask, well, why is this relevant still? And I think two big reasons. Um, one, it just shows you the extreme nature of support for abortion that many elected officials have. You know, if you're endorsed by Planned Parenthood in Michigan, Mm -hmm. you pretty much have to support abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. Um, If you support partial birth abortion ban, then Planned Parenthood will not endorse you. They recognize no limit whatsoever. Mm And here's a quote that you might not be aware of, Catherine, but during the original quote, uh, uh, during the original debate on partial birth abortion in the U.S. Senate in 96, uh, former Senator Barbara Brock Boxer famously said that the baby basically isn't a human being until the baby comes home from the hospital. Oh, my. What? Yeah. That's what biologically happens on the ride home from the hospital <laughs> i i don't know but uh and i hope uh, barbara boxer feels very bad for that comment but honestly you look at uh papers uh and journals some journals today you know you see support for infanticide mm-hmm. um because i mean really the difference between a child uh you know a day before birth halfway in the process of birth, in a partial birth abortion, a day mm-hmm. after birth, there is no relevant biological difference right, in the right. child. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the second reason that this is very still, uh, very much still relevant is uh, they want to bring partial birth abortion back. If you think that they're content to leave that ban in place, mm-hmm. you're very, very wrong. Um, Whitmer... Gretchen Whitmer, running for governor, has already released a plan where she basically says uh, she's going to get rid of every restriction on abortion in Michigan. Mm -hmm. That would necessarily include our partial birth abortion ban. Uh, Both Debbie Stabenow and Gretchen Whitmer support judges who believe that 
uh, Roe versus Wade didn't go far enough and that abortion actually should have been decided on grounds of equal protection and which in other words would get rid of every single pro-life law on the books including the federal and our state partial birth abortion bans right. and so I think it's perfectly reasonable to hold these ladies to account for what they believe, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think a lot of people need to talk about this. Right. I think um, you have to ask yourself, if you're out there listening right now and maybe you're undecided or maybe um, you know, you're know you not totally with us, 100% pro-life, but you know that, uh, say, abortions in the third trimester are wrong, you should really ask yourself if a person is willing to believe it should be legal to take the life of a, of a child when they're halfway born. Right. Um, what good are they in any other issue? Yeah. I mean, the right to life comes first. Right. You can't have the pursuit of happiness without liberty, and you can't have liberty without life. Yep. So there you go. <clears throat> All right. Well, Judge Kavanaugh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, when you're listening to this, it's a very fluid situation right now. Uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh, of course, is Donald Trump's nominee to fill Anthony Kennedy's seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, he's a very accomplished judge. Uh, I believe in our last podcast, we said it looked like he's going to cruise to victory. Yeah. And I said that uh, we weren't going to get Bork times Thomas after all, but I was wrong. Yes. Sadly. <laughs> so uh, an accuser has come forth and accused Brett Kavanaugh of, uh, now there's no real time, there's no exact time, there's no exact date, there's no exact place, yes. but essentially that when Kavanaugh was either a junior or senior, somewhere around there in high school, that he uh, sexually harassed and from, from the accuser's accusation uh, attempted to rape this mm -hmm. lady. Um, now, if many of you may recall, uh, you know, when we said Bork times Thomas, um, every time a Supreme Court justice is facing a nomination where he might tip the balance of the court in a way that endangers Roe versus Wade, uh, we get these extreme, mm -hmm. uh, you know, these extreme antics. And we've already had a lot of that for Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. And what happened with Robert Bork is they said that he was going to kill millions of women and it was going to be the end of America as we know it, mm -hmm. which is what they kind of tried uh, to do with Kavanaugh. But uh, what they did with Clarence Thomas is uh, a person that he's worked with accused him of sexual harassment. Um, so that went through the nomination right. process. It was a, it, The Democrats had the majority in the Senate then, but they still approved Thomas despite the accusation. Uh, Clarence Thomas made the very uh, made a strong denial and um, even went so far as to call it a high-tech lynching. Mm. Um, so, so, uh, so here we are, and we have Kavanaugh. And we literally have Bork times Thomas. He's going to there's an accusation. He's going to kill right. millions of women, and now an accusation um, from a person that he's committed a wrong. Yeah, and I mean, there's just there's so many aspects of ridiculousness to the accusation I would say I mean there's a, a lot of red flags to me that I mean it's just not true like they waited till this 11th hour to even bring it up mm -hmm. and she has no time or memory of a time or a place 
Yeah, those are definitely uh, red flags. And um, right now, they're trying to uh, they're trying to have a hearing on Monday, the twenty twenty fourth, and um, they're making all sorts of demands. Uh, so she said she was ready to testify, and then um, they said, "Okay, come testify." And then she said, right, through lawyers, no. <laughs> "No, I don't want to testify uh, without an investigation." or um, making all sorts of demands. One of the demands is very curious is they want uh, Kavanaugh to testify first and mm -hmm. then she gets to testify. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense. I mean, no. he, yeah. He has, he is not the one with the story. It's her story and he can't defend himself before she tells it. I mean. Especially when she's given no exactly. details and she's made... Uh, no statement to the committee. Now, Brett Kavanaugh has already participated in a call, and he's already uh, submitted a written statement. And so, uh, currently, if he if Brett Kavanaugh lied in any of those situations, he could be under penalty of law. And so, right. Kavanaugh has already submitted himself to legal jeopardy to answer these charges, but his accuser is not. So far, right. we just have a vague article in the Washington Post, and. Um, yeah, we, we need to hear her story because that's how it works in a court of law. The accuser makes the accusation and then the defendant defends himself. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in this country we have a presumption of innocent until proven guilty. And so mm -hmm. um, I think with the Me Too movement we, we want to emphasize that um, we need to give accusations uh, a fair hearing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, I don't think you, you want to go too far and right. simply declare people guilty before proven innocent. Yeah, and I mean, well, the fact that it does seem like she is just kind of making this up for the political stunt, I mean, that's just kind of sad in terms of the fact like that such sexual assault is a real issue, and it's kind of being used here, I feel like, in this sense. Well... Like we said, every time um, Roe versus Wade is potentially on the chopping block, we see these sorts of situations. And so um, so you think that's what's happening here? Well, I mean, that's what it feels like, which, I mean, again, is, is just sad. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. It's a very fluid situation. Um, you know, sadly, we're in a position in Michigan where, um, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but uh, both Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow, our U.S. Senators, have said that they're going to vote against Kavanaugh no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, they already came out and opposed him because, basically because of his uh, judicial philosophy that um, the law matters and the Constitution <laughs> matters uh, for Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow. Um, they put Roe versus Wade, which an abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution, but mm -hmm. they put them on a plane uh, far above the Constitution. And so, as we've said, they would only support judges who would overturn the Constitution itself first before right. admitting that uh, abortion is not anywhere in the Constitution or in the tradition of America and mm -hmm. uh, legal thought and, and statutory law. So... We'll see what happens. Um, it deserves mentioning again, I think, 
that uh, we don't know where Brett Kavanaugh stands on Roe versus Wade. We get some pretty strong indications based on his judicial philosophy that he, like Clarence Thomas, mm -hmm. like an Antonin Scalia, like others, recognize that uh, obviously Roe versus Wade is not anywhere in the Constitution, nowhere does it say that uh, abortion needs to be legal through all nine months of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know where he would come down were, he to, were the case to come before him, but, you know, and, and to John Roberts, the Chief Justice is a question mark because he always, he's a very cautious man, he likes to build consensus, which isn't always necessarily a bad thing, right. except in a sort of controversial situation like this where you have a clear right and a clear wrong, but, uh, you know... You're afraid of the controversy with 50% right. of the country, no matter no matter what you do there. Well, uh, we'll keep you updated, and hopefully by the time our next podcast rolls around, everything will be resolved satisfactorily. Right. Um, we've seen some people uh, complain that, well, instead of nominating Brett Kavanaugh, who appeared to be a safe pick, that instead they should have nominated another judge, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, who is famous for the <laughs> the line that a U.S. senator used against her, the dogma lives loudly within you. Uh. <laughs> um, and a lot of people are saying, well, uh, she just nominated her, she's a woman. But I think people need to remember, too, that, again, if Roe versus Wade is still on the chopping block, uh, and they've already basically accused this woman of being a some kind of cultist. Right. That uh, the idea that her Supreme Court nomination would somehow have gone any better, more sane, and peaceful, that's Probably a pipe dream. Probably not. <laughs> no. Well, let's move on to a happier topic. Some good news today. Uh, a long-time abortion facility in Sterling Heights unexpectedly closed. Yeah. And uh, so this one's been open for many, many, many years. Uh, not the most infamous clinic in the state, but one that's been mm -hmm. open a long time. A lot of lives have been ended inside that facility. And we don't really know why it's been closed, but um, we got the great news this week that uh, it's gone. Yeah. Another one bites the dust. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of uh, many d clinics that have closed in the last few years. And so um, we don't know why this one's closed. We can speculate on a couple of reasons. And then I think the first important reason to kind of guess why is abortions have been declining in Michigan for yeah. a long time, since yeah. 1987. They're down about uh, half. And so with fewer and fewer abortions being performed, every abortion clinic has to fight harder and harder and harder for business. And right. so uh, if they don't have the business, then they have, to, have close. to close. So that's great. Now, not everyone would necessarily agree. We got a kind of an interesting comment from someone who's worried that uh, because this clinic closed that uh, back alley abortions would increase inside the city of Detroit. Right. Well, um, there's a couple different things we can talk about there. Uh, first of all, the back alley abortions are a myth. Right. If you look at the actual statistics, and we've gone through this before, right. um, you know, abortions were not, uh, legal abortions didn't happen nearly as much as claimed before Roe versus Wade, mm -hmm. and that's certainly true in uh, situations still today. 
Um, so you have that. And second of all, sadly, there's still a lot of abortion clinics in the city of Detroit. Right. There's probably, uh, there's more than 10,000 abortions there annually, and so there's, there's still plenty of clinics, sadly, where those women could go and get an abortion. But I think the third thing that a lot of people don't think about is when you give women positive options, mm -hmm. oftentimes they won't go through with the abortion. And actually, there are a lot of positive options in, in the city Detroit. of Detroit. Yeah, there's a lot. We, which we just recently visited several of them. That's right. How many? Uh, we visited three. And yeah. then, um, so just pregnancy centers, there's several inside the city and in the surrounding suburbs, uh, like that abortion facility was in Sterling Heights. But um, not only that, but when you really look at it, there are all sorts of ways to help women uh, make motherhood work for them. Mm -hmm. There are uh, places that will help pay for their utility bills, give them housing. Um, the pregnancy centers will help them with uh, clothing, formula, diapers. There's free health care options, uh, child care, education options. Uh, there's a ton of options. Yeah. And we have a place where people can go to look yeah. these up. Help in the D, our, our new website. We just launched it, right? A couple weeks ago that's right uh, we've been working on it it's so help in the d.org or help in the d.com uh, basically just a website listing all of these resources inside the city of Detroit and when we first started doing it I mean I was surprised how many actual resources there are there are yeah. dozens of locations in the city of Detroit ready and willing to help women facing unplanned pregnancies mm -hmm. And uh, this is true not for just the city of Detroit. There are, in the state of Michigan, just in terms of pro-life pregnancy help centers and adoption agencies, there's more than 150. Wow. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. And you're the one that has to keep track of all of them. How does <laughs> <Yeah>. that feel? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's good. It's encouraging. Yeah, you could, there's so many, you could almost never visit them all. Right. That would be a full-time yeah. job just trying to visit every single one in the state. And so there's so many options out there and so many places for them to go and, and help them. And that, of course, doesn't include all the other support agencies that would help. Um, we were just at a uh, luncheon mm -hmm. for the Pregnancy Centers of the City of Grand Rapids yeah. uh, just this week. And the presentation there was about uh, one Pregnancy Center runs a, a service at five different locations yeah. where they help um, single moms work through everything. They, they feed them, right. they take care of them, they give them uh, peer counseling, mm -hmm. um, they network them together, they give them other help resources. They watch their kids for a couple hours or so. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's hard, yeah, as a, as a, as a, as a you know, I have three kids yeah. and I have a, you know, a wife, so we can tag team, that's still a lot. And so... Yeah. Uh, just giving single women a chance to have an evening on their own, mm -hmm. um, especially with other women in the same situation. That's great. And so, uh, and that's just not the only thing happening uh, along those lines inside uh, the Grand Rapids area. And so there's just so much help and support out there that, uh, you know, if you're worried that an abortion facility closing is going to lead to back alley abortions, I think you just have to look around more and yeah. see what's going on. Mm -hmm. All right. 
That's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in two weeks. Have a wonderful weekend.